1: Tom, do you like the way I say it? luxurious? I,
0: I do. And you know what? I also like Deacon Chip. He just sounds so cool. He is
1: a cool guy. did not he? He's got that outrageous <laughs> he's the outrageous thing going. He's, he's the world's tallest Deacon, too. He is. I know. I think he's, I think he's 17 feet tall. I'm not sure. It looks like I it. I thought it was 18 feet. Yeah. He always gives his height in, like, centimeters. So it sounds really. <laughs> it's like, I'm 42,742 centimeters. So he like, did it in
0: plonk Links with <laughs> me, so it was outrageous.
1: I get it. So those voices you heard: Thomas, Patrick, Dorian, Aye. and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And so uh, we are going to talk about something. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a tough thing to talk about, um, uh, but that is uh, we're going to talk about the the second reading, the, the New Testament reading from this uh, from this Sunday, and that is Saint Paul talking to the Colossians. Right. And um, I I love this reading because it it says a lot. And I just want to, I'm not going to, well, I'll read the whole thing, but it's uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. Brothers and sisters, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church of which I am a minister in accordance with God's stewardship given to me to bring to completion for you the Word of God, the mystery hidden from ages and from generations past. But now it has been manifested to His Holy Ones, to whom God chose to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. It is Christ in you, the hope for glory. It is He whom we proclaim, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. So, uh, these a few run-on sentences that St. Paul <laughs> rolls out... Uh, they they are full of so much information, but I want to focus on the first part of this because all this stuff about making uh, uh, everyone perfect in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like if if you boil this thing down to become perfect in Christ, right? You listen to the ministers of which we all become, but the, but of the church yeah. of which, which Paul says he's one of, and what do we have to hear from him? And that is. That we rejoice in our sufferings. Yeah. You know, I just uh, heard a homily from Father Clark uh, at our chancery just the other day. And uh, and in it, uh, I think it was, it was on the Feast of St. Benedict. And he was talking about saints in general. And he, <laughs> he said this thing. He said, you know what? Uh, for the most part, saints are just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by by modern standards, by old standards, they were just, they were all different. They would just get crazy things. And so we hear these stories of St. Francis running around naked and just the, these saints that would say things and it's like, that guy's nuts. Yeah. Right? And so, there, but, but there's a holiness in, in, the, in the fact that where they would separate themselves from the world to the point where we'd look at that and go like, that's crazy. It really wasn't as crazy as we might think it was because it, it really aligned them and focused them. Uh, off of the worldly things, but on to the godly things. Right? Oh, yeah. And so that would look crazy to the world. And so sometimes those, ex- we'll just say eccentric is a better word than crazy.
0: Well, one of my favorite stories from St. Ignatius of Loyola, and I think relates exactly to what you're uh, talking about here. He was giving it, he was already the founder of the Jesuits. He was already a big, Dude, you know, very well-known guy in the church at the time. Dude's
1: dude, what's actually his formal dude, title. Dude was his
0: former, former title. <laughs> uh, so, Saint Francis of Loyola was getting a uh, tour of a leper hospital, and as they were, he was getting this tour. He was freaked out about catching leprosy, but he kept that to himself. He really didn't, you know, feel comfortable being in that environment. Right. And what he definitely didn't want to do was touch a leper. Right. Right.
1: And a lot he, of hand gestures. Now, over there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you point. Over there, the most contagious, and over there, over there, well, it's <laughs> in tough. This area.
0: Well, it's tough because, you know, you have stories like St. Francis of Assisi, you know, who goes and kisses the leper, right? Yeah. And, and, like, these are famous stories within the church. Well, here's St. Here's Ignatius of Loyola really freaked out about touching the leper. And while the tour is happening, He accidentally brushes a leper with one of his hands. And so he's privately freaking out as the tour is continuing. The tour guide and the other people have no idea about what's happening internally. But there he is, absolutely terrified that he's contracted leprosy. And that the rest of his life is going to be as a leper. And so he's sitting here and he's trying to pay attention to the tour. He can't shake this. And all of a sudden he he blurts out, well, if you didn't have leprosy before, you have it now. And he sticks his hand in his mouth. Because he wanted to go ahead and step, it, the the fear of leprosy was worse than leprosy itself. Because it was uh, uh, the fear of leprosy was going to create a spiritual leprosy, basically within him. Hmm. So he decided to step into that fear and just put that put his hand in his mouth exactly where it was. How crazy must he have looked at the yeah. time to the tour guide,
1: right? So yeah, so craziness and and uh, and so. Like when I'm talking to folks about this particular passage from St. Paul to the Colossians, uh, especially the first part of this, where he says, "I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake." When he, those words alone sound totally countercultural, right? Oh, it's outside the world. I rejoice in my sufferings. The idea that you would find joy in suffering is totally, totally against what the world would teach. It is crazy. Right? And so it's crazy. So, so it's easy to say that, like, St. Paul, he was crazy.
0: Most literature in the 20th century is about complaining about suffering, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Right. And and it's also, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's almost counter nature, because, like, nature wants you not to suffer, essentially. I mean, so in, in terms of, like, well, think about, you know, when you were a kid and you'd have, like, a little match and a bug. Right, just to see what would happen, the bug would run away from the match, mm-hmm. because the bug, I mean, he's not necessarily thinking like that stupid kid with the match is driving me nuts. I mean, he's not <laughs> think that. He's like, it's it's like fire, ah, you know, and he runs away, right? And so uh, you you start to you you see that in nature that nature, and that's what pain like is in your body. It's your body saying that's not good. Mm-hmm. I'm making this very uncomfortable because I don't want you to do that anymore, right? And so, pain is something that alerts us, fevers, all these things in our body is is reaction uh, that, like, it, we find it uncomfortable. We suffer in it, but it's it's and it's also part of the healing process. But here, when Saint Paul says, "I rejoice in my sufferings," right? We're like the little bugs, and we're like, we like, give me some of that fire, you know? <laughs> it just it doesn't it doesn't sound right. But when you look at like what he says in this entire reading, yeah. Essentially, he's rejoicing in the opportunity to bring salvation to the world, right? And 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 so I, there, there's things that I love about this particular, especially this first sentence where he says, I, "Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake." And then he says this quizzical little line, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking with the afflictions of Christ on behalf of His body. Now when when i've talked to people who are like well you Catholics are kind of crazy because you do all this suffering stuff, mm-hmm. right? You're you're making yeah. big deals. You still got the the corpus. You still got the body hanging on the cross, mm-hmm. right? We don't have Jesus. Don't you know he's he's resurrected? He's not on the cross anymore, mm-hmm. right? But you want to see him there, and you got all these these uh, mysterious sort of uh, prayers and devotions that involve you know Mary's tears and all these different. It's all about the suffering and the suffering, right? Our Lady of Sorrows, and you and you start to you know thinking and as a Catholic you might go like you know you're right we do that a lot (laughs) but but here I mean this is what's this is where you need to know this verse so that when someone says that you know Jesus is sufficient Jesus has done everything for us that we need all we have to do is accept him if we accept him and say yes to Jesus everything's going to be better Right, everything's going now. I will agree with that. By the way, if we just accept Jesus and say yes to Him, everything will be better. He also do, says
0: to pick up your cross. Right,
1: exactly. So it doesn't Which mean that suffering won't about. happen. In fact, the suffering's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right, and, that, and that's what Paul's talking about. So, like where it says. And in my flesh, I 'm filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ because you want to ask someone who thinks that like there's no such thing as redemptive suffering you 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 want to ask them like what does Saint paul mean then what is what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ wouldn't the afflictions of Christ be sufficient to basically get you into heaven what is what is Saint Paul saying is lacking and ultimately, what Saint Paul is saying is um, in my flesh, I am filling that up in other words, the only thing that's lacking is my participation in the cross. Mm. Right, I I need to put myself on a cross as well, and that's what Tom you're referring to. Um, if we look in um, Matthew chapter ten, verse uh, I think it's thirty-eight, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're called to carry a cross. We're called to suffer,
0: not just say yes.
1: That's right. It, it, and I hope nobody has to suffer. Right, but for some reason, that's the path that that God chose to redeem the world. So, like. We're talking about saving the world here, Mm -hmm. and I've said this multiple times, It's my, and I still believe it's true, I wish that God would have said, look, I want to save the world, and all I'm asking you to do is to eat this strawberry cake. I've baked a big (laughs) strawberry cake for you.
0: (laughs) It's delicious.
1: It's delicious, right? You eat the (laughs) strawberry cake, and you are saved, and you're going to heaven. That would be lovely.
0: Hopefully, it's still good after two thousand years. <laughs> well, but
1: if Christ baked if it, if
0: Christ baked it. Yes. But, but the thing, but
1: the thing is, God did not choose a strawberry cake to redeem the world. It was a total self-gift of the Son. Yeah, right, dying on the cross in a miserable and horrible way, which is crazy. Which is going crazy. With, going with the theme exactly. Yeah. It, it it just is counter-world, counter world, counter cultural. And so we have to look at all this stuff like well okay so salvation then God chose the path of salvation to be a path of suffering. Mm-hmm.
0: Well I think that this is an important uh, an important thing to highlight here is that this is sort of where the rubber meets the road I think in terms of theology and religion really being, you know, meaningfully relatable and applicable to a person's life if we let it be. You know in a very raw visceral primal sense. And, and what I mean is this, you know, obviously it's, it's relevant in terms of a desire to know that there's something more to life than this, that there is a God that he's created uh, this universe that he wants to know me and he wants me to know him and he wants me to spend life all eternity with him. Right. Obviously that is an important aspect of the spiritual life, but Hey, there's also a, a fairly long period for both most of us while we're still here right and and uh it, it's not just a period of waiting for the afterlife right it''s it's, we're, it's a period of growing while we're here, and the fact of the matter is jesus didn't say while you're here, i 'm going to take all suffering away from you, but what he did say is that he's going to he's going to give us the grace to where he's going to step into the sufferings with us, to where if we give yes, if we give our yes to the sufferings that come our way, and we receive them. Trusting in the goodness of his permissive will, right? Because it's, it's one thing to say, I'm going to trust in the goodness of his mercy, which, of course, we should. It's perfect, right? But also, the hard th- the something that's really, and sometimes it's hard for us to trust in his mercy because we think, oh, I'm not really a deserving of his mercy. I'm a bad person, right? Right. But um, it's really, really hard to trust in the goodness of his permissive will and the stuff that he permits to happen to us. Because sometimes it can create a wedge between us and God, right? But if we have a trust in his goodness that includes the goodness of his permissive will, that God, he might have stopped all this other stuff we don't even know about from happening. Yeah. But he's permitted this bad thing to happen. If we trust that he's going to cover that thing with grace and he's going to help step into it with us and we're not going to be abandoned in it, we're going to grow with him and through him in this moment with this suffering, Mm -hmm. right? then God is giving us meaning in our suffering. He's giving us an opportunity to grow from our suffering, to be loved in our suffering. So this is where the rubber meets the road in that raw visceral sense of making our faith life relevant to us in the most uh, personal, difficult ways. Makes it easier to suffer. Yeah, that too. It really does, because I mean, it's he's turning into you're turning it into a good thing, or he's turning it into a good
1: thing. Yeah, for right. you. So you're 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 taking those things that God has permitted to happen to you, yes. and and essentially you're you're hanging them on the cross. Yeah, or putting right. them at the foot of the cross, and so you're you're essentially uh, th- then they then they they sort of have a purpose. Yeah, right. And so then you do what Saint Paul says, where in your flesh. You're filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. In other words, you're participating mm-hmm. in His suffering. That that gives you a purpose in life. And that now I, saying that makes me also. I just want to point out um, my own realization that um, by virtue of the fact that we're calling it redemptive suffering, yeah, that means there's also meaningless suffering. Mm. Stop and think about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. So in in all of this, what we have to do is we have to. We have to take the, the suffering that we and, and, and put it to a purpose. Like call it out, uh, pray about it, uh, and, and apply it to something. Mm-hmm. right? Give it a meaning and a purpose. I am suffering for this. Yeah. I'm suffering this person, this situation. I'm suffering for the people of Ukraine. I'm suffering whatever it is that you're suffering for, that sort of takes suffering and turns it on its ear and then makes it purposeful and meaningful then it becomes redemptive. In other words, when you attach it to the suffering of Christ, the reason why Christ died, yeah. it was for us, to save us from our sins, mm-hmm. right? To ransom us, to, to purchase our, um, uh, our lives. Mm-hmm. And so if we put, like, into that well of uh, grace, we pour all of our uh, sufferings into it, but we have to put it in there if we if we suffer and just oh woe is me and god not i don't understand why i'm suffering god's not listening to me and i I, you know i've got this and this is wrong and this is wrong we become complainers right and we start to live in that world well that suffering then becomes meaningless Mm. because we have assigned it meaninglessness but if we take that suffering and say like god i don't understand this i do not understand this great mystery but i'm giving it to you do with it as you will Heal who needs to be healed. And in my pain and my suffering, let me be like Jesus. And that changes, it, I promise you, it changes your, your suffering.
0: Well, in fact, as I was listening to you, I'm sitting here thinking there might be some people in radio land right now who, it might have been years ago. Years ago, somebody hurt them, for example, in some way, and they hadn't necessarily maybe forgiven that person or even knew how to forgive. Them. Maybe there was even some anger towards God. How did, why did God allow this to happen? And maybe there's been some long-standing suffering in that person's heart, and it's been meaningless suffering because they hadn't been taught this particular teaching uh, regarding redemptive suffering. Right. And you know, I think a message I want to give to that person is if what we're saying resounds with you, that God knew it wasn't until now or, or whenever it might be that this redemptive suffering teaching hits home with you. Even if this is something, a suffering that happened years ago, that's been sort of festering there. Now is that God comes to us in the present. Now is the time to give your yes to that. Yeah. Now is the time to join Jesus in saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And to to unite with Christ to say, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And to unite ourselves with Christ's crucifixion, but I think it's also important for us to pray, too, to unite with Christ's death, to die to those wounds, and to unite to his, his resurrection, seeking the Holy Spirit might glorify those wounds for the glory of the kingdom. I think that all three of those steps are important, but it's never it's never too late. It's never too late.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that there's a lot of people like me. When I was younger, I don't. You know, I was younger in the '60s, and I, I honestly, I don't remember anyone ever talking about your redemptive suffering. But honestly, they may have. But I'll say this: um, some practical advice. I, you know, it's a lot easier to believe in the theology of redemptive suffering when you're not suffering. Yeah. When you're suffering, it's not as easy. To believe, it's not so. So that's when you hear somebody say, "Give it up." Yeah, offer well, it up. Offer it up. Well, you know, it's like whatever, dude. Exactly I'm hurting here. But when you're right, and you don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Right. But this is where I think I listen to Sam here, and uh, and and He's honestly, right. uh, yeah, maybe this is a time for you to embrace uh, and trust God. It's an opportunity.
0: Well, John ten, Jesus talks about you know, and as a prediction of his passion, he says, "This is in the Good Shepherd passage." No one takes down, takes my life away from me. I freely lay it down. And I think God, in addition to it giving us the dignity in our sufferings to unite our sufferings to his cross, he also gives us the dignity to be the person who's going to lay it down, to give our yes. You know, like we were saying, he, he, he's going to wait on your yes to say your yes to the sufferings, to, to that union with him mm-hmm. uh, in order to cover you with those graces. There are graces waiting to be poured upon you right now over all of those sufferings that you've endured
1: in the past. Yeah, and you may not have control over whether or not you suffer. But you do have control over whether or not you make that suffering redemptive. Yes, and that's something that requires you to say yes. Um, I, I, I do. I want to read this little short meditation um, I, I came upon when we were. I was thinking about this this topic, Sam, that you'd proposed. Uh, but this is from Saint Thomas More. We all know what Saint Thomas More, you know, famous, famously martyred. You know, back yeah. b- back in the day, uh, and so he, when he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Uh, in 1534, he wrote this little meditation about. It's called a godly meditation. So listen to how he weaves suffering because he knows he's getting ready to be beheaded. I mean, he knows he's getting ready to be put to death, right? Um, and but but listen to uh, how he weaves suffering into this. Give me your grace, good Lord, to set the world at naught, to set my mind fast upon you, and not to hang upon the blast of men's mouths, to be content, to be solitary. Not too long for worldly company, little and little utterly to cast off the world, and rid my mind of all the business thereof. Not too long to hear, any of, wor- to hear of any worldly things, but that the hearing of worldly fr- fantasies may be to me displeasant. Gladly to be thinking of God, piteously to call for His help, to lean unto the comfort of God, busily to labor to love Him to know mine only uh, to mine own vility and wretchedness, to humble and meek in myself under the mighty hand of God, to bewail my sins past for the purging of them, patiently to suffer adversity, gladly to bear my purgatory here, to be joyful of tribulations, to walk the narrow way that leadeth to life, to bear the cross with Christ, to have the last thing, death, in remembrance." To have ever after afore my eyes my death, that is ever at hand, to make death no stranger to me, to foresee and consider the everlasting fire of hell, to pray for pardon before the judge comes, to have continually in mind the passion that Christ suffered for me, for his benefits incessantly to give him thanks. To buy the time again that I before have lost. To abstain from vain confabulations. To eschew light foolish mirth and gladness, recreations not necessary, to cut off. Of worldly substance, friends, liberty, life, and all. To see the loss as not for the winning of Christ. To think of my most enemies, my best friends. For the brethren of Joseph could never have done him so much good with their love and favor as they did him with their malice. And hatred, you, you know, this guy's getting ready to be put to death, mm. and he's looking at life, how to live your life. Here's some worldly advice, and this is from a man who's in the in the the Tower of London. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and and he weaves all this like I'm going to accept, I'm going to accept all of this suffering as 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 part of. I mean, I, I want this, and you can even hear his homage to Saint Paul, wow, right? Yeah. When he when he when he says uh, that, uh, in terms of like gladly hear my purgatory to be joyful of tribulations,
0: mm. to
1: rejoice in his suffering, yeah, right. I mean, so 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 even he takes on uh, that. I, I do have one other little thing I want to read from uh, a brother uh, a D- uh, Dominican, Henry Suso now he's he's from way back mm-hmm. uh this is uh fourteenth century stuff mid mid fourteenth century and he has a little uh he calls it suffering as discipline right so so now we're starting to take like what do we do with that suffering in life what do we what do we just endure it and even if we endure it and say, lord, i want to make this redemptive mm. but he sees this suffering as a discipline a way sam you'd mentioned. You know, to refine and to better our lives while we have them here. Jesus didn't promise that this world would not be one. We're supposed to grow, and one of the ways we grow is through the discipline of suffering. And this is what Henry Suso uh, says, Lord, I can see plainly that you are the only and the true source of wisdom, since you alone can restore faith and hope to a doubting and despairing soul. In your son, Jesus, you have shown me that even the most terrible suffering can be beautiful, if it is in obedience to your will. And so the knowledge of your Son has enabled me to find joy in my own suffering. Lord, my dear Father, I kneel before you this day and praise you fervently for my present sufferings and give thanks for the measureless sufferings of the past. I now realize that all these sufferings are part of your paternal love in which you chastise and purify me. And through that discipline, I now look at you without shame and terror. Because I know that you are preparing me for the eternal kingdom. I mean, that's some powerful stuff Mm -hmm. from the Middle Ages.
0: (laughs) Well, and and, you know, one thing in terms of of suffering as discipline that occurs to me is, you know, fasting is a way to grow in our capacity to receive the sufferings of life as they come, and it
1: is it is a kind of suffering.
0: It is. It's a voluntary suffering. You're choosing to bring it on. It's best to do it within the context of a spiritual director. Um, You know, in the same way, if it's not a good idea, if you're going to Show up to a gym and you don't know uh, if you've never lifted weights before. You've never worked with any of these machines. You don't know the techniques. You go
1: right to the heaviest weights. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right? It's, it's better to have a personal <laughs> trainer, right? But in the same way that lifting those weights in the right way, using the right techniques, and using those uh, the various machines and the exercises available to you in the gym, that makes it possible. You know, to where when you do need to run or you do need to, you know, lift something heavy or, you you know, when the rubber meets the road, you're able to do it. Right. In the same way, fasting is a way to grow in our self-control and to where when suffering comes, we're not predisposed to just say, oh, my gosh, this ruins my day. But instead to see possibly that God might be. Yes, he may be. uh Causing he might be permitting that our 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 car is breaking down this day or, or our phone has lo, is is lost or some little suffering but he's pouring upon that grace and he's giving us an opportunity to grow in that moment if we give our yes to what he has permitted.
1: Amen. And um, I I just want to reiterate uh, I'm going to go to the Catechism and just read uh, from paragraph twenty fifteen. The way of perfection passes by way of the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. Spiritual progress entails the ascesis and mortification that gradually lead to living in the peace and joy of the Beatitudes. He who climbs never stops going from beginning to beginning, through beginnings that have no end. He never stops desiring what he already knows. This comes from St. Gregory of uh, uh, Nyssa. Actually, that guy. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> um,
0: uh, yeah, I've but, heard uh, it, both. Actually, right. when I think about it.
1: But but the catechism is clear, and and our faith is clear that that this suffering, it's like the the way to perfection mm. is passes by the way of the cross. I love that phrase because it's that's that's how we get to the cross.
0: Well, that's why I think St. Ignatius of Loyola decided I'm just going to stick my hand in my in my mouth because I'm not going to let the fear of catching leprosy uh, get in the way of my ability to receive life you know and finally if i have leprosy i have leprosy
1: (laughs) how beautiful yeah and so now and, and saint paul we're just finishing with colossians but now it has been manifested to his holy ones right to whom God chose to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery, the mystery of suffering among the Gentiles. So we participate in that suffering in a holy and blessed way and ask the Blessed Mother to watch over us in this process. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen.